uh, this is Sylvester McCoy. Uh, you're listening to Who Made Who and uh, Me Made Me. And uh, my mother and father did the same. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Geekly's Doctor Who podcast. It is Anthony Lewis and Ben Knight, and we're back to talk more Doctor Who Series 13, Episode 5, Survivors of the Flux. Um, did I do that okay? I don't know, because you slightly cut out when you got to the last word, and it, it sounded like you said something very rude. Flux. Did I get it? The Flux. 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 It's the Flux, isn't it? Yeah, Survivors of the Fox, Ben. Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's from Huddersfield, not Sheffield. I've been reminding her for all this time. Uh, okay, so this is kind of a big episode. Uh, there are some things that were mentioned that are kind of glossed over here in this little paragraph that describes the episode. So, uh, you know, we can touch on those things. The Weeping Angels transport the Doctor to the Division where she meets the old entity. Honestly, I wish they would have just kept calling her the old entity. Uh Rishi meets. He's going to say, like, is this my future? Um, I look forward one day for my children to call me the old entity. Um, <laughs> she meets the old. There you go. That's going to stick. Oh, I know. I shouldn't have done it. It's uh, Time is a flat circle, Ben. This will come around to haunt me. Uh, so this is where the doctor meets the old entity again. But we find out. That it is, in fact, Tectoon, her adoptive mother, that we sort of touched on this with the timeless child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Tectoon reveals that the division is their knowledge of the multiverse, which is something Ben was talking about last week. Um, yeah. And they're orchestrating the flux to kill the doctor for interfering with the division's plans. I mean,. It's kind of the doctor's thing. Well, not necessarily the division's plan, but the doctor tends to get in everyone's business. In 1904, Yaz, Dan, and Jericho search the world for artifacts and physics to decipher when the world will end. They meet Williamson, who discovered several doorways that led to various other places while excavating tunnels under Liverpool. Which is, of course, where the multiverse exists. I think you can uh, confirm that, Ben. People are still walking around in that city, yes. <laughs> Over many decades, the grand... This is like in the B-plot, I guess, sort of. Uh, well, there's a couple of B-plots kind of side by side here. Uh, Over the many decades, the Grand Serpent infiltrates Unit as an officer, eliminating those who pose a threat to him. After being threatened by Kate Stewart in the present time, he deactivates all unit defenses, allowing the Centaurans to enter Earth. In another B-plot, Vinder discovers Swarm harvesting energy from Flux survivors, 
but he is caught and trapped in a passenger where he meets Dan's friend, Diane, who was kidnapped earlier by Swarm and Azure. The Doctor watches helplessly as Swarm arrives in the Division and disintegrates Tactoon and is about to do the same to her when they leave us hanging until next week. Uh, what did you make of episode five? There's a lot going on in there. There's a bit, yeah. There's a lot going on here. Um, yeah. Which kind of does come to the point that I was making last week, which is that obviously this is a six-episode run, and, and uh, as far as we know. Um, and, uh, by God, there's a lot to tie up, isn't there? Yeah, Otherwise, there is. Probably won't see everything being tied up in this. I, I suspect we're going to have. Yeah, she has a few specials as well, right? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, the the, the final time we see Jodie as the principal um, actor, at least for the Doctor, is not until the back end of next year, of course. So yeah, uh, she she will be back. Um, so in terms of the the plotline, right? I mean, I kind of struggle to call things a plot and b plot really, but. The, the one plot that I, I must confess I'm slightly struggling with, I think, is the is the serpent. I, I'm still slightly perplexed as to the point of that plot line um, for the, for the minute. Um, but all of that aside, the so a, a lot of people have been giving um, who a hard time for good reason in relation to the writing over over time. This. Um, sort of comes off the back of the um, Timeless Child and so on as well. And instead of kind of stepping back from this sort of explosion of the you know, the universe, what Chibnall's doing here is is epically expanding it. it. The fascinating thing for me being that assuming the next universe along, uh, the one to which they were en route, is uh, the one in which Rose Tyler is um, merrily living with human version of um, Tenant's Doctor, that opens up some possibilities. Um, yeah. there's, there's, there's all sorts of possibilities, really, that it opens up. I mean, sci-fi of the reaches for multiverses tends to be sci-fi that's a little bit on its last legs, but unless it's used carefully and sparingly. And I think the change of ownership um, and showrunner that's, that's approaching will probably prevent this becoming, you know, overly um, overused. In fact, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we don't see it returned to for quite some time. But um, as this episode progresses, I, I'm I, enjoying every moment of it because we're seeing Jodie Whittaker, frankly, on top form. I mean, she is nailing this uh, this season of, of Doctor Who. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think Yaz has had a, a, a strong series as well. I am astonished by the fact that I don't want to knife Dan in the face. Um, still the only weak visual point to this at the moment for me is um, a certain talking dog. Uh, and everything else about this is, is, is intense. I think a lot of people are complaining that, oh, now we're doing multiverse. Um, but the way, it, the way it was done, well, I, I thought it was quite appealing. The idea of being able to kind of visualize and portray in a sort of compelling way, literally the transit between one universe and the next, um, and watching the Doctor being perplexed by it and 
uh, and so on is it's a bold ass move but actually i've not seen them set a foot wrong with it so far um the the whole point about let's call her her mother i suppose for um lack of a better term uh her character is um it, I, I thought was going to be very much sort of one-dimensional, um, and I was pleased to be proven wrong about that. Her character is evolving already, um, or, or was evolving until she um, met with her demise. Uh, I, I don't know. There's, there's there's so much going on here. It's hard to sort of catch your breath and go right. Okay, so this is the point of it. It's one of those shows that I still feel like we're getting all the information, but in a way that's deliberately preventing us from reaching too many conclusions. Um, Division itself is, it's not a new idea in the universe. Um, like I say, we've had the Celestial Intelligence Agency and things like that, obviously unit from a different point of view. Um, but I do feel that it's introducing um, effectively a new big bad because, you know, obviously the Daleks and Cybermen and Weeping Angels and all of these things are, are hard enough to deal with at the best of times when they are unified by a common organization that is a effectively military black ops organization that shit becomes even more terrifying um, I, I'd be interested to know if the Master was ever anything to do with uh, the Division um, It seems like almost I mean based off of what Tectoon was saying in this I, like nothing was explicitly remarked upon except for like the weeping angels. Um, but it wouldn't surprise. I mean, she was like, you know, people throughout time from other universes or whatever. Um, wouldn't surprise me if the master, at least at some point in the, uh, in the span of the division had something to do with it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, we, it's not the first time we've had parallel universe stuff. I mean, Rise of the Cybermen um, in 2005, six, something like that, um, definitely uh, obviously touched upon that. We, we've had stuff. Um, as I say, we've got the direct transit route back for, for dear old Billy Piper, if she's feeling like it. Um, there's a lot of... I think if you drop a bomb like Timeless Child and... Um, and and sort of put that out there you've then got to be able to um to, to to actually work with it and develop it and if chibnall's run had come to an end if jody's run had come to an end without getting some solidly written law in place on that subject i would have been very disappointed um i'd have been disappointed for chibnall actually as well but i would have been even more disappointed for for jody whittaker um the as with all these things, big concepts that are, you know, somewhat tropey in sci-fi, like multiverses and so on, um, when done badly, are, are just a complete shit show, and they, you know, they're the death of a franchise quite often, uh, or they should be, and they're not always. Um, in, in so far as this has been introduced, we've had some development of it, and we've got one episode left of the regular season anyway to, to, to see how that pans out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chibnall is getting this right, dare I say. Um, but, I mean, the, as I say, the main revelation um, <coughs> for me, and I think it's got to be for most people watching this, is 
when you see Jodie being well written for, mm-hmm. um, like there's not the slightest question in my mind of her as the Doctor. I yep. mean, she now is just de facto, and I'm fine with. I'm more than fine with it. She's the Doctor. I did. It, it, it's. I don't know. It almost seems weird that there was ever an issue about it. Yeah. Um, and she's absolutely uh, nailed it. And. Yep. Yeah, she totally inhabits it. And you can see how her love for the character has grown over the years as well. I, mean, I was watching mm-hmm. a, a, I can't remember what it was now, something um, the BBC had produced fairly recently uh, that had a load of clips from various older episodes of uh, of Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. And when you only see the clips of it and you don't, you're not subjected to the sometimes piss poor writing overall. Sure. Um, watching her as the Doctor in her best moments has been superb. Watching her in the moments where the script is letting her down um, has been painful. But then the same was true of Capaldi. Um, mm-hmm. You know, watching his best of moments is fucking glorious. That, yeah. There were so many of them. There's more with Whitaker than people remember as well. I, I Absolutely. When you see a best of episode of, of her um, or best of clip thing of her, you will realize yeah. how many times she was fucking excellent. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably underrated as a, as a um, companion, but. Um, has kind of come into her own, um, and yeah, I'm blown away slightly by John Bishop, who uh, he's not been given a great deal to do. Let's be honest, but no, but what do you give? It's well, yeah, he, he's yeah. really stepped up. Um, he's he's believable, uh, which you know that's that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Anything that wasn't believable uh, for me about this episode was the tunnels under Liverpool, um, <laughs> where they're running out of lamp oil. Well. <laughs> Hey, who lit all of the other lamps down here? I guess that was running around, not a ghost man. Yeah. Uh, so it's all right. There's a load of lamps down here. We're fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a crazy amount going on here. I do come away with a very slight headache at the moment from episodes of Who. Um, and then I remember it's fine, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. I mean, you'll get, you know, you'll see where it's yeah. going ultimately. It, 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 I, it's just a cracking season. What is disappointing, um, uh, we've mentioned it previously, is that uh, the ratings continue to drop. And yeah, I was I was kind of reading into that a bit this week. There's only and, a slight drop between episodes three and yeah. four, but but it's still going in the wrong direction. And, and I have to say, I'm going to be a bit brutal here. Um, I think the reason you had the initial drops was because oh, it's a woman. Oh. Yes, um, and I think then the reason the audience has been dropping off slightly is that I think Chibnall is doing something that Moffat did occasionally, which is taking a show which has pretty much always been mm-hmm. able to simultaneously entertain um, kids from maybe, you know, maybe age about five or six yeah. through to um, grown-ass adults and everyone in between. And what he's done is he's, he's because he's making sci-fi rather than um, really broad audience sci-fi, He's. I think he's turning an audience off a bit because I, I like my sci-fi with lots of different subplots and, and different elements of intrigue. I think a lot of the audience, to be brutally honest, is a bit too bloody thick to follow it. Um, oh. And so you start to see a, a drop-off in audience. You do see At the risk sci-fi. of sounding snobby. <laughs> well, yeah, you do see it in sci-fi sometimes. The better sci-fi for sci-fi fans um, is often the stuff that is, you know, maybe it's sort of digging into its own scientific law pretty heavily or something 
and, yeah. and you watch how the audience reacts to that, and you will lose a lot of the, the the casual viewer does not want to know or need to dig around in the back of their brain or the internet to find out things to make sense of what they've just watched. So if you're watching this as a casual viewer, Flux, particularly as, as a as a season, then what you're getting is a lot, a lot of callbacks to things that you know. Yes, you might be vaguely aware of, like Unit and Weeping Angels and things. And then you're getting like five plots running simultaneously that drop in and out seemingly without any sort of pattern. Um, and that's that's a hard watch, I think. So I, I do mm-hmm. wonder if the figures are dropping, not because um, of J.D. Whitaker, not really because of Chris Chibnall, really, but because I think we've hit the point where he's got six episodes to to give himself and to give J.D. Whitaker a, a glorious swan song. Yeah. And... I don't think I think he's putting his mark on the end of this run above um the broad appeal of this show. And I don't think that's a problem weirdly because this show is obviously coming back at the end of his run and it's coming back with the man who successfully brought back the whole fucking franchise. Um and we get very clear hints that it's going to be a, a broadening of the universe and stuff as well. So I'm not worried about Chibnall frankly having a bit of a flex at the end here i'm actually enjoying watching him do it and um i I say again i cannot wait for the first time uh that russell gets to write for for jody the other thing that's arisen this week is a lot of people are suggesting that yaz and maybe even dan um have a bit of a crossover future uh with uh with russell's run and the next doctor a lot of that depends on who the next doctor is of course um, but I wouldn't hate it, I have to say. Yeah. I I don't know. I continue to think that this is a great run of Doctor Who. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to go so far as to say, like, yeah, I, I don't want to get myself killed, Ben. So I'm not going to sit here and say that it's up there with some of the best stuff since the show's been rebooted. Because some people might get very mad at me for saying that, but absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, I mean, well, it's absolutely the best of Jody's run, but mm, to me, it's maybe it's not up. It's not up there with like David Tennant's highest points or Matt Smith's highest points, but it's not too far below those things. I feel like this has been a really great run. I mean, yes, six episodes, but it feels like they've done a tremendous job of like creating a complex story that is followable and makes sense, has good twists and turns. Uh, also providing fan service, but in a way that assists the story and doesn't subtract or detract in any way from it um, or distracts. That's the word I was looking for. It doesn't distract from it. Uh, I don't know this. I don't know. This just works for me. I liked seeing Kate Stewart back. Uh, we yeah. haven't seen her in, in a bit. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, that, that's all wonderful. Uh, I guess all the stuff with Yaz, Dan and Jericho is just 
they're like all of this is just B plot for them to subvert what the weeping angels do to people. And I guess these uh, Liverpudlian tunnels are, I guess, their way back to the present time, sort of cheating the the Weeping Angels system or whatever. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. You got to do that. Um, to me, everything in this episode really hinged on the Doctor at the Division, which, by the way, great visual aesthetic for the yeah. Division. I especially loved the moment when they do this reveal of where the division is located, where the doctor says that I've searched all throughout the universe and tech tune is like, well, we're not in the universe. And they do this reveal of essentially this little space station, but existing outside of what vaguely kind of look, if you've ever seen videos of these things that are like, here's where earth is and let's pull back and show you the solar system and the universe and then all the universes and then the observable galaxy. Like it was outside of this bubble of what vaguely looks like the observable galaxy or the observable universe. Superbly done done. to be able to pull that sort of thing off um, in the way that they did is, is very impressive. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the other thing was that it was in between, but you know, like, and it was enough to, to give this vague sense of definitely not like a larger scope than we're ever used to in this show, which is crazy because this is a very large scope show. It's a whole space and time. Um, yeah. As the many times. <laughs> yeah. It turns out. Yeah. Well, that's just one bit of it. Unlike, unlike, say, Once Upon Time, where there was some uh, moments where the visual effects weren't super great. I feel like almost everything in this episode just looked fantastic. What do you make of the comedy aspect? Because You mean like at the beginning with uh, Yaz and Dan and Jericho and the pulley system thing? Or you've got that, you've got the um, the shaman on top of the or the guru on top of the <laughs> Oh um, yeah, the one who like shamed Jericho for yeah. not working out as hard. And then you've got the um uh the rabbit and the rabbit out of a hut exchange, which I have to say, I, I enjoyed that line, that, that mm-hmm. exchange between the doctor and, and the Ud. I did think that the the stand-up comedian guru um, was <laughs> a, a bit, a like, bit jarring. I mean, it, the show needed some some yeah. relief at that. There but, were a couple of moments, like the pulley bit too. I thought was kind of funny, and then I felt like they did it too many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of farce is fun, but that that was just it descended into slapstick, didn't it? Yeah, like I thought it. I thought it was good when I, I felt like it ended when Dan got to put in his line or whatever, and then they did it like again, and then maybe one more time even after that. Uh, mm. And I get it. And there is there is this theory, right, that you can do something, it's funny, and then it stops being funny, and then it becomes funny again. I get that. Um, that didn't quite happen here for me. They lost me a little bit, but the fact that the angels continue to be made out to be just assholes. Oh, the worst, right? (laughs) Oh, the fucking worst. I love when the doctor, the doctor's like, why did you transport me like this? And they're like, essentially like for fun. We just wanted to, wanted to mess with your mind. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, well, I guess it's place your bets time because we're, Mm -hmm. you know, this was episode five. Yeah, my, one, one left. My concern is, so, okay, I'll, I'll dissect it this way. So there's a lot of balls in the air right now. Yeah. And 
um, we've got we've already got some that have been dropped unless we're about to see a solution to them. So what happened to Poppy, for example? No idea. Yeah. Um, presumably the angels put the village back, otherwise the unit wouldn't have been able to get the TARDIS in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we don't know, but we're just going to have to assume. There's, there's already some balls being dropped, and Chibnall has got fucking form for this. What really worries me is that the quality of episodes one through five has been so good and the pace has been so frantic that one episode at the end of this I mean by god they've got to tie this up and with some pretty big clout or it's I'm really worried it could it could it's gonna it's gonna go one way or the other it's either going to be extraordinary to the point where everyone hates it because oh you're just throwing away old law or it's just going to go Oh, for fuck's sake! And then they all went home and had tea. And I, ah, I'm just, I'm really on edge about about this. I don't trust Chibnall, as as you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to place my bet actually on it being a fizzle rather than a um, than an explosion. And I hope I'm wrong. What, what's your what's your prediction for how we're going to end six? Yeah, is it going to end crazy up high or? right down in the eh, territory. Oh, I feel like... Mm, I don't know. I feel like we end in the middle. I feel like we get something satisfying enough, but not fully, because, I don't know, to me, to me, this is Star Trek. I mean, I've mentioned this a lot, but I think it's very apt when these situations pop up. This feels very much Star Trek The Next Generation of like, oh, we can be very non-committal with the ending because we're making movies afterwards. So this is episode six is the end of this series of The Doctor uh, and of, of Jodie Whittaker's run as like the TV show. But there is three yeah. TV specials coming for them to wrap up everything and do the transition to the new Doctor and this is not something they've done since David Tennant, correct? Uh, where he got yeah, multiple right. specials. Um, so to me, and I'm sure some people read that as like, how dare they compare Jodie Whittaker to David Tennant? I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying, I think from a creative standpoint, to me, that feels like in and of itself that they might be planning something quite big for her send off. And to me that like, I don't, I can't imagine after five great episodes that episode six just ends with a sputter. I would imagine that we get something that is good, but leaves us longing for the three specials to arrive. And I feel like that would be what you would want to do if you're Chris Chibnall. I don't know if Chibnall is Chibnall in charge of the specials or is that uh, Russell think, T. Davis? Yeah, no, I think it's Chibnall. Okay, well then, especially if it's Chibnall in charge, if it were me, I want people to want to watch those specials. So I would give them something, but I would leave them wanting more. That's obviously always a tough line to walk in storytelling and many, many people have fallen off of that high wire. So it's not the easiest thing to do, but I don't know. I, mm, I, 
like I, I don't remember. Did I, do you remember what it was called, Ben? We have to make a T-shirt for it. Was it the Chibnall Index or something? The Chibnall yeah, Confidence Trump Index. Index. Yeah, Chibnall. Uh, Chibnall Trust Index. The Chibnall Trust Index. Yes, we may have to make a shirt for that. Uh, I mean, it may be too little, too late because his run. Well, I mean, if he's sticking much around much until like, next year, much like Chibnall's writing, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been high. It's been high. Uh, I felt like they went off with a pretty good episode. Um, yeah, and yeah. from the last series, and it's continued to get better. To me, the Chibnall Trust Index is quite high right now, and honestly, he's going to have to prove me wrong for the next episode. I feel like, I, I don't think it'll be feast or famine. I feel like we'll get something in between where it's like, okay. like okay, that's good. When can I see these specials? Um, that's what I'm hoping for anyway. Seems reasonable. Mm -hmm. Coming to the glasses, for me, this one, because there's so much going on in it, um, it's hard to sort of score it as a, you know, an ultimate episode in any sense. Because yeah. A lot of it's sort of left undone. Um, I mean, this could technically this is supposed to be the penultimate episode, but depending on how episode six plays out, it might not even be that. That's a fair point. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Um, for me, I'm going to say this episode largely on the basis of the uh, the content regarding the division, mm. uh, and also for Jodie's performance, which I think in this particular episode was particularly standout. Um, uh, three and three quarters from me. Oh, ding, ding. I, I, I was, eh, I'm a, a little, I didn't, I went, I went four. I, I can see why you're straddling the line a little bit and maybe I should too, but uh, I don't know. It's her performance continues to be great. The writing is good. I'm intrigued. Everything looks so nice. I was waiting for something to look kind of off. They they do that Suntaran army thing at the end, and I'm like, that looks great too. Yeah, like everything just looked good. I mean, outside of the fact that the Suntarans look like burnt chicken nuggets, outside of that, Ben, uh, like everything looks great. They're supposed to look like that, but I mean, yeah. they're a weird alien. I, I don't know. I I loved it. I like. I mean, I don't know what the swarm and Azur. I presume we're gonna find out more about who and yeah. what they are, but yeah. we will. are there theories? I'm sure there are theories. Uh, yeah, but a lot of, I've not seen one that I've kind of thought, mm. oh, okay, that's good. I I've mean, Tectune Tech, says that, you know, she's who the doctor called mother, but she's yeah. just the time Lord that rescued her. And raised her as a crazy opportunist who exploited yeah. her. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Is there is there a theory that Swarm and Azure are actually the Doctor's parents? I know there's the uh, Vinder and yeah, there's a lot of people talking about who are you know which possibility in terms of people. Mm -hmm. um, not, I don't know. I mean, there probably is. I mean, I mean, things are things are crazy. Is it possible that? Uh, is it possible that? <laughs> Uh, Azure and Swarm are Vinder, and, like from like in the future, or I don't know. This show, it's so wibbly wobbly, uh, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. It's impossible to say, but that could make as much sense as anything else. Maybe they're creatures. Maybe they're creatures from another universe. Mm, quite possibly, sir. Who even actual knows? And <laughs> here's another thing that people don't know, yeah. and that is 
the price of Jodie Whisker as Doctor Who portrait painting 24 by 37, presumably inches, I think. Yeah, unframed. This oh. is my portrait painting of Jodie Whittaker as the new Doctor Who. It's a traditional painting, pencil and acrylic paint on oh. an illustration board, and it is unframed in capitals for some reason. It is mixed media, acrylic paint and coloured pencil on an illustration board, and the image size is 24 inches by 37 inches. I'm not sure why that needed repeating, but it did. Due to the size of this painting, please do note the shipping charge before ordering. Many thanks. Ships worldwide! Um, let me describe this picture to you. Mm -hmm. uh, don't worry, I'm not going to say it's you know a mixture of acrylic paint and coloured pencil. I did. Um, it is a painted version, really, of one of the sort of fairly standard um, Jodie Whittaker type sort of pictures. You'll see what I mean when I send it here. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can say about it is that the picture, as in Jodie's face. Yeah. Um, Jodie Whittaker in this in this picture looks like she's in her late fifties. Um, it's not flattering facially. Now, some of that I think is down to the medium. Mm -hmm. I think the you know the, yeah the, there are lots of lines there that seem to come from yeah perhaps just from the way it's drawn painted. Yeah. Well, rumor has it been that the Mona Lisa, famously the the uh, the original uh, model for that painting, was only eight years old. So yeah, yeah. Uh, paintings do tend to age the subject. That's what I thought. Well, because she looks like fucking Mudge Bishop from from Mabers in the eighties. Um, I can't wait to, to see this thing. By the way, everybody, Ben's like the worst uh, game show host of all time. This is the Doctor Who Etsy game that we sometimes play. Straight into it. Listener yeah. no. Yeah, they know. Um, right. So uh, in GBP, please, because mm -hmm. uh, that's what I've got in front of me. How much for my 24 by 37 inch unframed? And please do note that, by the way. Um, <laughs> J.D. Whittaker painting, the one that is in the mixed media of pencil and acrylic paint, unframed. That, How much you're going to put down on the table for this beauty? That all caps unframed sounds to me like somebody who's been asked one time too many, is this item framed? That's fair. Yeah. There is only one available of this. It's a oh, rare. This is one of a kind. Item. Yeah, no the, reproductions. Some other, other things like making the Lost Boys 30th tribute illustration, but done mm -hmm. in an A3 version. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot going on here. How big did you say this was again? Uh, in case you missed that, it's 24 inches by 37 inches. Okay, so not huge, but not small. It's like a medium-sized painting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, it's, it's sizable, but not ridiculous. But a one of a kind. Yeah. Absolutely. And a. Uh, Let's just say, for the sake of accuracy, uh, envisioning of Jodie Whittaker's Doctor if she had been around for twelve seasons of Doctor Who. Uh, uh, yeah, and, <laughs> and and some. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say based on other no, things. Find no this fucker. I'll tell you that for nothing. I'm gonna say based off of past performance in the Etsy game here. Uh, because I, I, I'm afraid I'm a bit of an asshole, Ben. I feel like I'm highly undervaluing these artists' work. Uh, right. Well, that could be a problem in this one. Yeah. I'm gonna say for this one of a kind, uh, aged up Jodie Whittaker painting. One of a kind. I mean, high art sells for a lot. Uh, nice. Jackson Pollock time. just splattered paint on a canvas, and those things send like they sell for tens of thousands. Uh, Etsy, but yeah, 
Not on Etsy. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 325. Wow. Mm-hmm. Close but no cigar. 395. Oh, oh my God. You're right above oh, that face. I know. Honestly, open that picture and zoom in a bit and just see how unkind this picture is. It's, <laughs> it's pretty brutal. Oh, my, oh my God, Ben. Yeah. What is happening mean, here? Uh, you definitely need to put that in the show notes because um, the listeners definitely need to look at that. Mm-hmm. Right, we're going to rocket through it because... I mean, Ben, it. I only have... Uh, by the way, in American dollars, it's $547.62. Uh, if somebody were to... It's going to be extraordinary, yeah. If somebody were to show me this painting for one second and then turn it around and be yeah. like... What do you remember of this painting? I have two words for you, Ben. Crow's feet. Yeah. Gee, oh, absolutely. <laughs> what? Okay. When did Brett Eklund start playing Doctor Who? It's very strange. I mean, it's well painted, but Jody looks... She either looks really old or it is the most strained smile face of all time. It's much Bishop as the Doctor. It's very strange. It's mm-hmm. deeply unpleasant. Right, let's move on because we've got stuff to do. Um, okay, so we started there with 300 and, uh, what was it, 395 pounds, which is very exciting. We're now on to this. 11th Doctor, Matt Smith's Snowman Frock Coat. I said frock coat. Oh. Yes, I did. Handmade of, frock. you know. Yes. Frock coat. Um, all items that this person makes are made to order, just so you know. This is my replica of the beautiful frock coat from the Christmas special. It says, I think, no, we'll, we'll assume they mean... Did special. I write this, Ben? <laughs> Did I write this while uh, drunk? Uh, the snowman. This coat is single-breasted, but with buttons and detailing running either side, just like the doctor's, with no apostrophe. Two working outside skirt pockets, one inner pocket, n- n- niched, astrakhan lapels. I mean, I assume that means something to somebody. Uh, cut in a classic Victorian-style wool fabric, hand-sewn, handmade frog- frogging details. Again, don't know making clothes, so that could be a real word. I'm pretty and sure 18, I wrote this. <laughs> 18 decorative buttons, if you don't very much bloody mind, mm-hmm. and hook and eye closure at the waist. There are sizes available, uh, and it's the same price of all of them. 38 chest, 40 chest, or 42 chest. And I can make this coat in different colours and fabrics because it's a thing that I'm making, presumably. Uh, and your own choice of lining. Um, please message me to discuss, not discuss, but discuss, sizes required. Um, as this is custom made to order, please allow six to eight weeks for completion. That's quite reasonable. Um, please take a look. And if you have any questions, please just ask. Well, you may have questions, but I have only one question for you, Anthony, and that is this. 11th Dr. Matt Smith's snowman frock coat. How much are you paying? More or less than the last one. The last one was £395. Do I have to just guess more or less? Or do I have to guess the price? But I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering if you think that could be any way more expensive than that ridiculous painting. (sighs) Um. Oh, God. Very pretty, this coat. Uh. It's not framed. It's unframed. Um, Actually, the detailing on this thing is really very beautiful. It is made of wool um, oh. with a satin lining by the looks of it. Okay. And I hope this is a real term. It says gimp braid. Well, wow. <laughs> uh, 
Bring out the gimp braid. I've looked yes. it up. It is a thing. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, a little bit of is that Reservoir Dogs. What am I thinking of? What is that from? Um, what gimp braid? No, no, the gimp. What was the gimp in? I know. Um, uh, it probably wasn't Reservoir Dogs. Uh, no, uh, it's um. Fuck, what's it from? I feel like um, there was one in a Tarantino movie. Maybe it was Reservoir Dogs. Um, no, Pulp Fiction. Oh, Pulp Fiction. That makes sense. Uh, okay, okay. So, a, a frock, beautifully designed and detailed. Yeah. And it the, is lovely. The painting you said was 390 something pounds? Yeah, 395 pounds. Yes. 395 pounds. I'm going to say that, well, I mean,. I mean, it's they're different arts, but I'm gonna say that the coat is more. Okay. Uh, I should imagine. The gimp braid really put it over the top for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as it always does. Uh, Four fifty. Swing and a miss. Four eighty. Oh, come on! Yeah, and do you know what? It's definitely more worth it than um, the hideous painting of Madge Bishop as the Doctor. Uh, So there you go. Have a look at it. It's a thing of beauty. Actually, it does look pretty good. Mm, Right? I like it. It's not Um, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could wear that out the next time you meet the Queen, Ben. You could wear that. I'm wearing mine now. Are you? (laughs) You went out and bought yours? Yeah, uh, that's all I'm wearing. Uh, 65.47. Well, I mean, you know, Ben, you can't afford any more clothes after buying a jacket this expensive. So Quite true. Quite true. All right, well, let's crash on to the last one. Doctor Who inspired shelf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, this, hold on. Canceled. Yeah. The show's canceled. We can't. Yeah. This is the shock over which we are now jumping. Uh, this is a steel shelf inspired by Doctor Who, because I don't know about you, but Doctor Who often inspires me to think of It's all I think shelf. about, Ben, when I yeah. watch Doctor Who. Absolutely. It's made of 16GA steel, which, again, presumably someone knows what that means. Um, it would be delivered flat and unassembled to save on shipping, but clear instructions with be sent to you digitally. Oh. Mm. Um, it takes about a week to produce. You know that. Um, that's all the information we have. It's made of metal, steel, so mm. you know it's, it's good quality shit. Um, dimensions, which I don't think I mentioned. Um, it's fifty-eight inches tall. Um, that's it's very a, it's tall. Blue set of metal shelves with a police box bit around the top of it is basically what we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's twenty-two inches wide, and each shelf's got a depth of about twelve inches. Um, so, so it's quite tall, but not very wide. It's it's like just a tiny bit taller than a wheelie bin. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've ever been more excited to see a product before. Like, I need... I'm hoping that when I see it, I am... Like, the image inspires visions of Doctor Who in my mind. So I'm excited oh, for this. I mean, it'll do that. It'll do that. Nearly as mm-hmm. much as the blue wheelie bin that's next to it in the pictures. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So what were we on there? 400 something? 480? Yeah. Yeah. So how much am I bid for my Doctor Who inspired shelf? <laughs> <laughs> that never, a never not funny phrase. <laughs> It's unframed, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> unframed shelf. Unframed. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know what, Ben? Some people have uh, some some people release uh, albums or various pieces of art that are untamed or uh, mm-hmm. unchained, perhaps. But from now on, Ben, this podcast will forever and always be unframed. <laughs> uh, okay. No matter how much Photoshop, can you send me a photoshopped image of Madge Bishop actually as JD Whitaker? My brain, I'm enjoying it. Right, how much for my shelf? Okay. (laughs) I mean, with all due respect, with all due respect to shelves, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like it would be insulting if this shelf was more expensive than the frock or even. Uh, Grandma Dr. Jody Whitaker. I feel like it's. I feel like it's less than the frock. Um, okay. I'm gonna say for this this shelf. Uh, I'm, gonna bit. I'm gonna say 295 pounds. You like your metal work, don't you? Okay. Uh-huh. Pay for it. Um, then uh, you'll still be owing them some money. Would you goddamn believe that's three hundred and seven pounds fifty seven pence? Which does make me think it's probably not coming from the UK. Otherwise, that's a really fucking weird price. Oh yeah. no, it's one of your countrymen. Yes. Yeah, three hundred and ninety dollars American. Yeah, that is hell of money for. Well, let's be honest, a not very good <laughs> shelving. I mean, okay, when I do look at it, yes, I would think of Doctor Who because it is TARDIS blue and it does have the top on it. And it yeah. does have one side, it has like the side windows on the top shelf. So I do get it. Yeah. It's even kind of a cute idea. Sure. But I it feel is like shit, isn't it? <laughs> it's not, th- I mean, I'm not going to say it's shit, but for 300 for like $400, it is shit for $400. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that brings us to the end of this week's <laughs> Etsy game. I, I'll never get bored of this game. Listener obviously tunes out well before we get to the stage. They never, like, ever should, honestly. It's really the best part. Even when the show, even when Doctor Who is good, this is still the best part of our podcast, I think. Because people never stop making random Doctor Who shizzle on the internet. <laughs> no, they do not. Okay, uh, so that's the podcast for this week, everybody. Head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And of course, this is a listener-supported podcast, and there are a couple of different ways you can do that. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemageekly. We have the merch store, geeklymerch.com, stocked up with some double Moffat gear now. Uh, Long-term listeners of the podcast will know what we're talking about when we say that. Um it's been a while since we've had to use that phrase. I almost forgot what it meant uh, for a little bit. Uh, but we do have some double Moffat gear on the merch store. So geeklymerch.com. And we have a holiday sale. Uh, listener, as you're listening to this, it runs through December 25th. Just use the promo code HOLIDAY25 to save 25% off your order. All the links for that stuff are in the show notes for this episode. Uh, also, this podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Audible, all that good stuff. Just search for Who Made Who. Hit subscribe. That way you can join us next time to hear us talk about the Doctor Who Series 13 finale-ish. Episode 6, called The Vanquishers. And if you hate Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, just stop listening now and go and open your fresh packet of blue shoes. 